you've found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility? How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Everybody hates my opinion. We are definitely going to get letters. <laughs> You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. Good day. So glad to be with you. Oh, new introduction, courtesy of the most insubordinate producer slash sidekick in all of radio, Fun Dip Dan. I cannot be insubordinate. I am older than you. Well, yeah, you can be insubordinate. I don't think it's an age thing, necessarily. Yes, uh, you must respect your elders. Is that what... Is that what insubordination is? I thought insubordination was just not was just not yeah, respecting but, authority. But see, I cannot be subordinate when I am the old man. I thought it was about authority, not necessarily age. But, but a subordinate is someone who is beneath someone. Jared's nodding his head. Is he correct, Jared, or am I correct? I'm correct. No, I'm correct. No, in your... I just don't consider you in charge. Therefore, I am oh. not insubordinate. All right. Someone's <laughs> going to hit your mute button soon. <laughs> Glad to be I am in, in charge here. of the mute button. Louder with Crowder. Such a fantastic new intro. Whole show is going to be switched around for you. And of course, good Lord, this is the fastest, most coming at you news week of the not. <laughs> it's yeah. literally like we're talking about Josh Duggar, you know, feeling up some uh, some girls when he was 14. That's the big story right now, which, by the way, actually, a great piece up at louderwithcrowder.com. Not from me, but from one of my wonderful writers we've had on the show, Crystal Heath. And um, I thought it was actually a pretty thoughtful piece on the matter, which, you know, is, is tough. Anytime you're dealing with, with molestation, it usually just goes to sling and mud. They should hook him up with Lena Dunham. The two of them could have a field day. <laughs> and I know Fun Dip doesn't read the site. so he I know. No I, read, I saw that they, they reference her, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, she um, Crystal definitely did, and that's the thing. You know, it's... Listen, I, I get it, and the guy is wrong, absolutely. Duggar is completely wrong. There was. I mean, he's older now. but he's, when he I did. mean, he was 14, yeah. and back then they acknowledged that he was wrong. They, uh, he, he fessed up to it, counseling, all of that. Wrong, 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 wrong. Apparently but, the cop they called, though, was just a friend of the family, so he didn't get nearly you know, as, as prosecuted as he should have. Right, that's the argument. Right. Well, listen, we'll see what comes out of it. We'll see what happens. He resigned from Family Research Council, uh, which I think was the right thing to do. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. My point is not the, you know, Crystal made the point to not cast stones. I, I'm, not a, I'm not big on that. I'm not one of those Christians like, oh, don't, don't, don't judge unless you've sinned. I've never felt up any girls. I've never molested any children. So uh, I think it's safe to say that I, I, I can make a judgment there and say, you're wrong. That's pretty. How well. about if if when I was a senior in high school, my first girlfriend was in ninth grade? Can I throw stones at him? Hmm. It depends. I, no, would, I don't even. I don't want to get into the disgusting <laughs> details. I was eighteen. She would have been fifteen. We dated for like a year. You know so, what? That's actually funny. That it brings me to a point. And I'd love to hear from you. Tweet me at s crowder. 
I think child molesters are the worst people on the planet, right? I think child rapists, I should say, I guess, worst people on the planet. I think there's a special place in hell deserved, uh, reserved for those people, absolutely. But I've also known people who have sexual assault charges, rape charges, that will stick with them for the rest of their life because they were 18 or 19 and they had a 17-year-old girlfriend and the father got mad and because he was legally capable of pressing charges, he did. Now, I, I understand you can say, hey, it's the law, you should still obey the law and be respectful, but do you really think that an 18-year-old kid who's in a consensual relationship with a 17-year-old, do you really think that his record should read the same as a guy who actually raped four-year-old boys? No, that's a, certainly not. I think that's a problem. Now, what I see, I haven't been able to find out a whole lot about Duggar. Was his situation where he just dated somebody that was younger than him, or like, well, he was fourteen, so that would have been no, no, no. He 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 was he was in the wrong. His his was then hang him. Well, he was fourteen still. Hang yeah. him. Okay. If you're fourteen and you do anything like that to somebody unconsensual, I mean, they're young too. Hang him. He should have known better. Yeah, he should have known better, but they didn't hang him, and now he's an adult. So it doesn't necessarily Better late mean... than never. <laughs> All right. So do you agree with uh, with Crystal? Do you agree with Fundip? You can tweet me or tweet either of them uh, on Twitter at S Crowder at Fundip Dan. I mean, listen, we I, you know, that's what's weird about this program. I didn't plan on coming on to talk about the Duggars. It was a throwaway. And then we get stuck on it. We get stuck because it's a, it's an important issue. And I will tell you, <clears throat> it is by far the most read piece at LotterWithCrowder.com. This week, people care about it. It's, it's a firestorm. Um, people can't get enough in discussing it. I think what happens is you have a lot of fans of the Duggars, obviously, and then you have a lot of leftists who are always looking to crucify anyone who's a Christian. Um, listen, <clears throat> Christians aren't perfect. I don't know how far this stems with Duggar. Seems pretty bad, but I, I do acknowledge the media hypocrisy and that there was nothing about Lena Dunham. Nothing, and she completely outright molested her daughter. They chalked it up to being a stupid young kid. And you know what? So her do we. Her sister. Yeah, her sister. Which They chalked it up to her being a stupid young kid. So do I. Fine. I'm not saying Lena Dunham is necessarily a child molester today. I think she's perverse because she constantly writes a program in which she's naked, and she thrusts her naked, gelatinous body into the American she's public. She's gross. And she's I, disgusting. I, I am in the fat crowd, so I can say it. She's nasty. You... <laughs> For those of you who can't see, Fundip put up what was this? That was like a black woman. Uh, yeah, I was I, I, I was moving like like uh the the guy on freaking True Blood that worked at the um what the hell was his name? That was he trained? Lafayette. No. La, Lafayette was the he was a gay guy. But I, that oh. was totally like that's nasty. I, I was thinking of um what was that film? The Garden of Good and Evil, where it was Prince plays like the tranny. Do you remember that? You can't say that. Say transgendered individual. I can say whatever the hell I want. Listen, you know what I'm saying. I'm not going, hur, hur, let's go hang trannies. They said tranny in the film, okay? It was at a time where it was okay yeah, to say it. Quote in a film, okay, quote in a film. It was a uh, Garden of Good and Evil. And it was, uh, and it's, it, there's an actual person, there's an actual guy who's a transgender. I don't call him a woman because he's not, he hasn't gone through the operation. And he's famous out there in New Orleans. Anyway, uh, also a big story. We'll probably talk about it after the break, but. Los Angeles, $15 minimum wage. Now, that's a big one. 
That's a big one this week, and it's one because it has macro implications for the rest of the country as well as Sarnev. Bye-bye restaurants. What? Bye-bye restaurants in L.A. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think the Mexican restaurants will be that affected. (laughs) You must pay the minimum. You must pay the minimum wage. What if they're undocumented? Uh, uh, Okay, we pay them two dollars less. That we pay them two dollars less. Are you saying? Are you saying that most Mex? Are you saying Mexicans in Los Angeles are undocumented? Damn straight. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been to Los Angeles? I mean, you you literally cannot walk 20 feet without physically stepping on an illegal Mexican immigrant. They're not a tall people. You can't swing a chihuahua without hitting one. By the... <laughs> I mean, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, nowhere else is there that kind of a market, right? I mean, what, okay, they're clearly not marketing to Beverly Hills when it's George Lopez and it's, you know, it's Latino-sounding Chihuahuas. You're going, well, what community are they marketing this to? Mexicans in Los Angeles. Mexicans in Los Angeles is the crowd for Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Little known fact, after that film, Chihuahuas... Uh, began outpacing pit bulls as the most abandoned dogs, the dogs that were filling up the most rescue shelters because kids, went, hey, what a, hey, what a chihuahua. Then you find out they're just little demon dogs that are horrible with children, so they just toss them and give them the boot, and then, you know, they're being, uh, they're being gassed in record numbers. It's sad because, like, just because a dog is super cute visually doesn't mean that they've got the right personality for somebody's family. Oh, I don't find chihuahuas cute at all. I really am not a fan. I, I honestly, honestly... I, just talking about them, I just threw up in my mouth a little. Let's go to a break. We will come back, and we'll talk to you about minimum wage and should the Boston bomber get the death penalty. I don't know. Tweet me, at S. Crider. We'll talk about it. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Although why you'd want to is anybody's guess. Thank you very much. You're the you're the worst fun dip. You're just the pits. <laughs> I stole that line from a show I used to listen to in the 80s. Oh gosh. I'm so so grateful that I can trust my producer to <laughs> slam me. I don't know where it, it's like I haven't used that phrase since like 82. Uh, it was a catchphrase of a morning show I used to listen to. And I'm like, boom, it falls into my head now. I'm like, where'd the way brain cells work? All right. Although why you'd want to is anybody's guess. Okay. We heard it the first time. So funnily enough, <laughs> FunDip submitted a column to louderwithcrowder.com. Oh, I am such a moron. This week. And he was basically completely, you know, the Bo- the Boston bomber. Boston. The Boston bomber. Boston. What did they say? Boston or they say Boston? Boston. Martin. Boston. But then sometimes, yeah. I remember I had the hockey exchange we used to do with Boston when I was a kid. And uh, I'm trying to remember the kid's name, but his whole family. I mean, they were severe Boston accents. And I remember going over there. We were all into comic books. And I swear to you, this is a real story. And we'll get to the Boston bomber and death penalty in a second. But I was in the car with him and his family. They go, hey, hey, Crowder, you want to go to the cod store? I was sitting there going, I said, what? The what? The cod store. 
I said, do you mean like... To buy fish. Like, that's like, what's that, like the fishmonger? They said, no. No, the cod store. I said, I, I don't... The cod stores. No, like hockey cods, baseball cods, basketball <laughs> cods. I'm like, oh, the card store. Yeah, the card store, you dumbass. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I honestly, I legit, and I remember the kid scared the hell out of me because he was obsessed with BB guns and he had a lazy eye, and I did not want that thing staring down the sight. <laughs> we had a teacher used to, all of us, all the cousins that went to my school were Martins, and my poor cousin, Mock Martin, he had to deal with his whole name being said incorrectly. Mock yeah, Martin, Mock Martin. There are some there are some words that are really really hard in certain dialects. No, they're really hard. They're really hard. There you go. So Fundip submits a column, Boston Bomber. We want to know if you think he deserves the death penalty. Sarnev, Sarnev. I always forget to pronounce it. So Fundip submits a column saying, "Fry him, whatever is absolutely cheapest." And this this <laughs> is pretty much, and that's what I agree with. Listen, I'm so stupid. I, I pretty much agree. Whatever the cheapest method is to dispose of this human waste, do it, okay? But Fundip submits it, and I'm editing it, and I say, hey, Fundip, just so you know, people are going to get a little bit mad. They're going to critique you here because it's actually more expensive to put them to the death. And Fundip goes, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, trust me, it is. So I, I'll run it, but I just want you to know that. And he goes, no, don't run it. Let me make some corrections. So then he makes some corrections. He submits it. And <laughs> it's completely the opposite perspective. It's completely the opposite. But he ties it together with, but, you know, maybe we can get some bulk discount to just send them all to Planned Parenthood and consider it a late-term <laughs> abortion. So we know where Fundip lines up. I wish it was cheaper to kill these buggers, but it's not. So throw them on death row, throw away the key, and forget about them. Yeah, I know, but that, that that is a sad state of affairs with our justice system. And listen, that's why Dirty Harry became such a success in the in the 70s was people were tired of the corrupt, you know, victim shaming and and criminal praising justice system. You know, that happened. It was sort of the same climate of social justice warriors. Go ahead, Bef punk. Make my day. Right, right before and then he punches a woman. That's what happened in the Dirty Harry films. And what what it is is people rejected that and they were saying, "Hey, there is no justice for these criminals." They saw the hippies who were essentially justifying criminal acts. And there was a cultural backlash. And so then you had Dirty Harry. And then after that, you know, you had you had Reagan and it it changed. There's a rebound effect that generally happens when cultures overreach. And I think we're there right now. People are a little bit tired of the, well, we need to be humane. Well, we need to be understanding. You're seeing that with Islam now. Well, you know, if only you can understand where they're coming from, I think a lot of people you're going to see in the next few years are going to have less tolerance for it, just like you've seen with feminism. Feminism has overreached to the point now where people are just tired of it. Men reject it outright. Women don't want to claim the moniker. And uh, so the death penalty is, it's a sad system. I mean, and you know what? We, we were talking about this, and we're, I forgot to, we have a great guest coming up after the break, Gavin McGinnis. I can't believe I didn't even mention it. Gavin McGinnis coming on to talk about his, uh, actually his, his tussle with feminists all over Fox News this week, all over the internet. And um, I, 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 I'm kind of torn. I don't think we're doing any kind of a job in rehabilitating people in prison today that is true or rehabilitating feminists for that matter this is true but i also don't think that a murderer 
or a violent thug. Yes, I use thug. Is it the new N-word? No. White person can be a thug. Black person can be a thug. I also don't think that a thug deserves a hotel suite like in Norway or Sweden. Have you seen their prisons? No, no. Luckily, I've not been arrested in Norway or Sweden. Well, you'd be so lucky to be arrested in Norway or Sweden. It's amazing in there. TVs, you have your own rec room and access to, you know, electric tea kettles and cooking. It's just, it's, it's, it's unreal. Are they allowed to keep a cat? You know, that's a good question. I think in Sweden, depending on the prison, I think, or at least they get like animal therapy time. Okay, lock me up. I don't care. As long as I can see some pets. <laughs> cat, dog, I'm good. Cat, dog. Remember that at, show? at no point does the idea of principle cross your mind, does it? It's just, is there a cat? Yeah, I, if I'm going to be comfortable, I don't care where I am. Anyway, so, again, you can tweet me at S. Crowder, and then it comes down, you know, should we be rehabilitating prisons, or should it be as uncomfortable as possible? Should we focus on rehabilitation, or should we focus on punishment? I definitely think it should sting to go to prison. And it should sting beyond going to prison. Prison shouldn't be a pleasant experience. That's my opinion. I know what we should do. This comes from actual experience yesterday. We should make them write sentences. I made my kid, my youngest, write sentences yesterday, and it was as if I had cut his legs off. He's like, ah, he's crying up a storm. For some reason, I knew I was just going to hate your suggestion. Uh, <laughs> Make these hardened criminals write sentences. No, 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 seriously, though. is it One thing we've talked about is the death penalty. And it's, some, it's an issue not, not where I'm torn in that I don't feel guilty at all. It's not like, well, if, you're, if you put someone to death, you're a murderer yourself. None of that hippie bullcrap. I don't, I don't feel guilty even remotely for putting someone to death. But it is more expensive. Now, from a Christian perspective, oh, God. this is kind of where you have to look at being an American versus being a Christian. From a Christian perspective... I can see someone lining up on either side of that coin. And, and I forgot. Okay. And l l let me roll here, Fundip. I, I, I can see someone lining up on either side of that coin. You can say with Jesus, the New Testament, there is no support to be found in the Bible for the death penalty. And you can make that argument. And then you can also go Old Testament and say there absolutely is defensive death penalty. And you can make that argument. So I don't necessarily think that it's a biblical argument for Christians. But as an American... I think we want to be a country that sends a message. You commit treason, you commit terrorism, you go and you fight for the enemy, you blow up your people here. We need to make an example of you. So I think that sometimes Christians conflate the two, that it's, it's the Christian thing because it's the pro-America thing. And, and there are some times where you just have to go, well, no, no, how are you justifying this? What is your rationalization for this decision? And I think death penalty is one of those issues that's, that's kind of tough. I feel no guilt in putting someone to death like the Boston Bomber. Zero guilt whatsoever. I don't like how expensive it is. And I don't like that it's more expensive to just put him on a chair and, and flip the switch. Maybe we can get Percy there to, to forget about the sponge for a second. And then it, it's somehow more expensive than feeding him and clothing him and getting him rec time for his entire life. It's, it's an issue I go back and forth on. Tweet me at S. Crowder. Gavin McGinnis coming up after the break. 
Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. Listening to l- l- Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. We are back, Louder with Crowder. So glad to have my next guest. There's actually a story behind booking him before he broke the internet. But let me introduce him first. Uh, you can catch his, his podcast, Free Speech Podcast, on iTunes. Just Google it. You'll find it. Senor Gavin McGinnis, thank you for being on the show, sir. Hello! Oh, good Lord. You know, I adjusted the... <laughs> good morning! I adjusted the mic levels, and then uh, and then he went full Jerry Lewis. So Boom. You no, know, that was Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Remember Hello. when he came in the room? Hello. Yeah. That's right. I, for, I went. You know why? It's the Montreal in me, Gavin, where they just love Jerry Lewis. Remember? <laughs> oh, you Frenchman, you Frogs. frog. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, so Gavin, but it's funny because we were about to book you last week, and then some things fell through. We had that woman who converted from Islam, and oh, yeah. this is not the first time this happened. Same thing with Chael Sonnen. We had him booked, and then the John Jones controversy uh, broke. The Anderson Silva controversy broke. Same thing with you. We had you booked. We moved you the next week, and then, boom, you blew up the Internet. Tell us, I guess, for those who don't know yet, what happened. Well, the way Greg Gutfeld puts it, he goes, you made a big splash with a belly flop, and it could have been a swan dive if you had cited the proper statistics instead of just saying, I read it in a book. But I did read it in a book. And I am a belly flop kind of guy. Like, I'm not, oh, a, I'm not Mark Phelps. I'm John Belushi. So why do I have to... I don't understand why the right, why white males have to tiptoe around and deliver facts like they're feeding a little squirrel in the park. And everyone else gets to just yell, what do we want? Dead cops. When, everyone's racist. Uh, die, cis scum. Why do they get to have all the fun? Anyway, on Fox News, we were talking about <laughs> Hillary The Marleys Clinton. were dead to begin with. Okay, the stage is set. The, <laughs> uh, we were talking about the wage gap and how Hillary Clinton paid her workers less. And this was supposed hypocrisy. And I just brought up the fact that, no, all women earn less across the board, whether they're working for Hillary or, you know, the Women's Foundation for Equal Pay or they're working at Fox News. Um, and the reason for this is women tend to put family over work. There's a great book called Why Men Earn More, right. and it breaks it all down. It breaks it actually into tw- it breaks life into 25 choices. Mm-hmm. And he keeps finding time and time again that they would rather be with their kids for their daughter's piano recital than stay all night at work. Yeah, duh. Well, and I, I don't think that's a- the case. I don't think that's the case for Stephen and me. I think we got women who know how to make a good dollar. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's uh, a big irony, too. It seems that conservative men, I mean, I know we're hopefully going to have her on the show, always, even though we, we believe in, in sort of, I guess, complementarianism, it seems to me that conservative men always marry the strongest women. My, my wife is no shrinking violet. She has no problem swatting me in the Costco parking lot because I locked the keys in the car. Well, if your wife makes <laughs> more money than you, then she married the wrong guy. 
Well, no. Fun, well, fun. Minded. <laughs> yeah, even if she's a supermodel and she makes more money than her, her husband, she still married the wrong guy. She should have married like Dodo Fayette or whatever his name is. Or a Saudi Fayette billionaire. Now? Fun dip, that stings. <laughs> well, no, you lucked out, I guess. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're, we're both a couple of hapless dorks who happened into some classy broads. Well, the, the thing with you, Crowder, anyway, is uh, you're a freak. And in the, that's not really uh, that profitable in this day and age. If you're going to say hate facts, you're not going to get rich, at least for the next few years. I tell you what, actually, full disclosure, right? Because we're going to be doing some crowdfunding to fight Islam. And I have to tell the audience, I, I do pretty well and I'm, I'm pretty grateful. Uh, but my wife does well, too. You know, my wife does really well. And she's she's a working woman. And we have it quite clear that, listen, she she's told me I don't want to work when I have children. So that burden falls on me, and she's let me know that, and I'm, I'm okay with that. So we've decided we're both going to be sort of sprinting right now. We both work jobs. We're both entrepreneurs and uh, entrepreneurs, and then, um, you know, she wants to be home with the kids, and, and, and that's okay. And because I love her and because I respect her and because I'm sexist and I treat women differently than men, I said yes. So wait, I don't get So she does want to stay home with the kids after she has kids. After she has kids, but she wants to work up until then. Well, what happened with my wife is she said, I'm going right back to work as soon as they're born. And then she saw how fun they are. The first seven weeks they sucks. Are. Don't get me wrong. The first seven weeks blows. <laughs> but once they start sleeping through the night and then when they start walking and then when they start talking, now we're up to two years, they never want to go back to work. And by the way, when I say never and when I say all, I don't I'm not Sorry, you can't swear on this show, right? No, because it is. It does go to actual okay. stations as well. As I'm not fudging Mao. I'm not Stalin. Okay, nothing is all. But when it's, it should be assumed that when we say nobody wants to do this, there are exceptions to the rule. But liberals always go, oh, really? Women like staying at home with kids, do they? Well, I found one person who doesn't. Ergo, everything you say doesn't exist. There's nothing creepier than you doing the, the woman impression with your hand <laughs> on your hip and the prison tats. <laughs> Disconcerting. Image. I got to know, though. Like, you, you got your kid potty trained at seven weeks? No. Potty is is, so you're saying potty training is the, what the hump you have to get over? No, because you for said me, it sucks kids for the first... aren't fun until after they're potty trained. Everything <laughs> before that is a pain. They drink nothing but milk, so their stool is just a softball. It's not That's like there's disgusting. much wiping going on. It's no That's problem. I'm no. A, I, I, changed, I changed it like three three diapers, and I was like, this is it. Oh. Uh, let me know I, when he's potty trained, and I'll take him to the auto show or something. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I actually dread my youngest getting potty trained because I, I know he's our last, and every diaper is is sanctum. Sanctamount? <laughs> is... I, I don't sacred. know. I don't know what I do. Know. Sacred diapers. Now that's gross. What I do ah. know is this first <laughs> segment devolved so quickly, right into scatological uh, humor. But I think you know, Gavin. It's funny that Greg said that to you. I don't. I don't think it was a belly flop. Um, I really don't. I understand where he's coming from, but I understand where you're coming from. I do think there are certain people who will be closed off to it but i think like you said in your youtube video afterward a lot of those people are people that you just sort of have to resign yourself to the fact that you're not going to reach some of them anyway so we have to go to a break here but i want to bring you back after and, and give you the floor gavin mcginnis louder with crowder stay tuned this is louder with crowder be sure to visit louderwithcrowder.com 
This is Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. Back with the one and only Gavin McGinnis Free Speech Podcast. You can find it on iTunes all over the web. Uh, Gavin, okay, so we're talking about the Fox News controversy. You then went on HuffPo. What you said was basically a video. I mean, I released a video that debunked the the wage gap myth a long, a long time ago. Uh, it was during the Oscars. And Anyone who cares, look that up a long time ago. Exactly, exactly. So I'm going to ask, I want to ask you something. Because President Obama went up and said the 77 cents on a dollar. He quoted yeah. that stat. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, it is so patently, verifiably false. No respectable economist, none, acknowledge it. They, they, they have to dismiss it. Even the feminist ones, they have to dismiss it as frivolous. Yet you have President Obama going out and spouting that. So is it me or does it, does it beg the question, okay, is he that stupid that he doesn't know or is he proactively pulling you know, the wool over the eyes of the American public here? Well... I can't imagine that his staff doesn't have access to Google. But <laughs> let's just play devil's advocate here. Maybe, you know, he is technically right. Women earn 77 cents on the dollar. Uh, that is true. The, 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 the truth is they choose to earn that because they'd rather be at home with the kids. But maybe he's saying they shouldn't be at home with the kids and they shouldn't choose that. Maybe in his world... They're, men and women are exactly the same, and we stop having kids. I don't know. Or the kids end up in the Obama youth. Yes, yes. If women earn the same, exact same as men, it means they're working as hard as men. They're as driven as men. That means the kids have to be in daycare. That means the government is bigger. That means he gets more money, more power. Yeah, we'll just think of Montreal, right? And, uh, I mean, that's one thing I wanted to get to. So, obviously, everyone knows about the, the feminist deal, and you've been going on about that for a while. They can find that on your free speech podcast. But we, I mean, you helped create, right, Vice Media. Was it Vice News or Vice Media when you created it? It's called Vice Media now. It was called Voice of Montreal when we founded it. Okay, uh, that's right. It was Sarush Alvey and I, and I hired Shane to be my sales guy about two years in. Okay, because I remember, you know, a lot of people don't realize we were, both lived there the same time. I was raised in Montreal, so from three to eighteen, uh, so entirely different perspective. Oui, mais t'es jeune, toi. Ouais, c'est ça. Quarante ans. Moi, j'ai quarante-quatre ans là. Ah, nous t'arrêtons pas. What he's? What are you speaking? Klingon, fun yeah, yeah, yeah. We're speaking an actual language, one that impresses women, doesn't repulse them. Oh, hey. French. <laughs> What? Well, I don't know if Québécois yeah, is still seducing anyone. <laughs> hey, it's just my grand salmon. Okay, okay. I don't know what the rule is <laughs> beep, on beep, beep. bleeping French words. Yeah, I don't know. If, French swear words are all chair in a church. The People chalice. don't get that. When I tell them, well, that's a great point, too. You know, in the United States, I mean, they use the F word in French-Canadian as a verb, right? It's not a bad word. You'll hear it on primetime television. Oh, they'll say it in daycares. They'll say words I can't say right now in daycares. Right. But they're... English. Their cuss words are, it's essentially like using the Lord's name in vain. You know, I mean, it'd be like me right now saying, oh, communion wafer or chalice. Literally. the worst thing you can say. Yeah. Please, <laughs> folks at home, he's not doing an analogy. Chalice is the worst swear word in Quebec. A tabernacle You've is. got to be Tabernacle is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tabernacle, chalice, calvaire, what's that? I, I don't know. I know. Uh, I know. a type of show. Eat is damn. That's. Yeah, but, but SC is communion wafer. Yes. And, I mean, so, and what's funny, too, fun dip, see, you don't realize this to people listening. That's why Canadians, they use the F word as a period. So you'll have Canadians, they don't even know how to swear properly. They will go, oh, this thing is broken, F. Because in French yeah. Canada, the well, swear word comes at the end. It's also oh, well, yeah. being Scotch-Irish in Ontario. Like English Canada is founded by Scots. 
they're a drunk culture, and drunk people swear a lot. So right. the Ottawa Valley sounds like Scottish. That's why they say A. But when we were kids, we'd be throwing the softball, and we would go, mm, mm, F. Like you catch it and say F. Pundit's going to have to hit <laughs> beep, the dump beep, button. Mm, Even a beep. surgeon, if he was stitching up, he'd go, uh, F. Yes. Uh, F. It's very, very common, and it's, it's actually kind of annoying. But I remember, so when I was a kid, do you remember, now, where did you live in Montreal? Yeah. I lived on the plateau. Okay. So do you remember the big music store, Archambault? Archambault? I don't think so. Okay. Well, there was a big one downtown, but where I was in the South Shore, it was the big, you know, there was HMV. Oh, where... yeah, yeah, yeah. This was down on uh, St. Catherine Street. Yes, yes. So there was a big one on the South Shore, Archambault, and they had all the, you know, it was a music store, and then they got into books and magazines. And so we'd walk out, and they always had the mirror, and they would have, you know, Vice was there. Um, I don't, I can't remember if it was, I remember seeing Vice, so I don't know, at what point did it become Vice? It became Vice in 96. Okay. Because we left the government uh, scam that it was, and broke out and changed the name. Okay. Because I remember my parents, my dad, would make sure, I mean, people don't understand this, and I know Vice wasn't quite there, but in, in Canada, you have newspapers where they will basically have like hardcore pornography in Montreal on the cover, and it'll be right next to Skittles. Montreal invented the tabloid. Did you know that? They invented the tabloid? Yep. They were the first. All that, like, all the British ones you see, uh, the National Enquirer, all that started in, in Montreal. Well, they were pretty rough, though. I mean, you'd see, like, the, the corpse oh, yeah. of a sexually mutilated body, and it'd be, like, it'd be, like, right next to the Slim Jims. Yeah, Allopolis. Yep. Yes. I would, <laughs> I would kill to find an Allopolis right now. That means hello, police. Ah. <laughs> is I know so Coke Cerise and uh, Coke Classique. That's about it. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I care that you know three French words? I don't know. How dare you, Fundip? I know Audrey Totu. It's like someone yesterday that goes, hey, I saw the trailer of your movie. I don't care. He's Good. Gavin. He cares not. <laughs> Tell me when you've seen it. <laughs> Tell me when you put money in my pocket. Yeah. But it's funny. So that is a culture, right, in Montreal. And, and I feel like there are two kinds of people who come out of there, Gavin. People uh -huh. like you and I. We don't share everything in common. People we like have you a commonality. And people like you and me. Sorry, Fun Dip. And then there are people who don't even think twice about it, right? It, I mean, the rule is what? Maybe 95% liberal. There are no conservatives in Montreal. There's liberal and liberal separatists. And then I feel like there are some people like you and me who see it and go, am I, am I taking crazy pills? This is... This is completely off the plot. Well, the, the thing people don't get about where we come from is language, English versus French, subsumes everything. Yeah. There's no talk about abortion or Islam or racism. It's all totally dwarfed by, by English versus French. It's like in Scotland. They don't really talk about politics outside of, I hate the English, let's separate. <laughs> I mean, Scotland is like Quebec in that sense. And I always say Quebec is like this teenager who's been saying, I hate it here. You suck. I'm going to leave for 400 years. Right. And you're like, okay, <laughs> go. Bye. Uh, they've been using the, the American dollar so fast that it'll make your head spin, too. Quebec. Yeah. Oh, they would get eaten. They're already but getting eaten by New York with all their electrical power. But what I was going to say is uh, the, uh, some of us English go, wait a minute. There's literally language police going around taking pictures of signs and saying you wrote English too big, we get mad and it's like this pressure cooker where you have to be a total hustler to survive. And that's why Dove Charney comes out of Montreal. That's why you and I have this survival instinct because mm -hmm. we grew up basically in a dictatorship. I mean, right. if you ever meet a Chilean who grew up under Pinochet, he's a badass. Right. Yeah. 
It's absolutely true, but it's it's funny because most people are complacent and accept it. And I still have friends, you know, all over my, most of my friends are still from Montreal, right? I was raised with them. I went to Centennial Regional High School. And this is the greatest city. And, and it doesn't even compute with them because I don't think they understand what freedom actually tastes like. Yeah. And um, and that's what's made me, I mean, I was, you know, working as an actor professionally at 12, the kids show Arthur. Remember, Cinar was the big production company there. And so I learned about taxes really, really young. And we've had family members die, die, flat out die because of health care where they would have been saved in the United States. Yeah. And um, it's it's one of those things where when I saw you and I was reading up on you and learning more and more, I'm going like, gosh, these people weren't there when I was there. Sun News didn't exist when I was there. Do you think that the tides are turning a little bit? There's somewhat of a revolt that that maybe didn't exist before I left in 2005? Yes. And I think technology is a big part of this. Video podcasts, uh, Twitter, right. all these different ways to get out. And eventually, you're never going to change the non-curious people. If they want to believe women get paid less for the same work, they're going to believe that. You know, People become more steadfast in their beliefs when confronted with data that contradicts their beliefs. True. However, for the curious out there, there's more and more information. And, and all you have to do is look under the rock and see that this racist hellhole America is not a racist hellhole. Right. And you just have to move there for a little bit and give it a go. It's just yeah. a regular hellhole sometimes. <laughs> were you conservative or were you more right-leaning? Was that why you moved to the States or did you become more conservative being in the States? We couldn't make any money in Montreal. You know, it, it, Vice went under a few times and... Right. Uh, first, we were dying because we were being strangled by this fake welfare program, which was how we were born. And then we were dying because we were living in socialist uh, Montreal, and we got some investment and, and said the only way we're going to turn this into a profit is to be in America, where people like profits. You know, Canada, I love Canadians, and I love the pub culture up there, and I love the fries. Crescent and the Street. women in Montreal are too pretty. I'll never Sharia forget. law in Montreal. It's not fair. <laughs> You I'll can't never walk down the street. Every woman in Montreal should wear a burqa. Okay, go ahead. Fun dip. I'll, but, I'll sorry. I'll never forget when we vacationed in Montreal and I'm hitting puberty right at the time. And everywhere I looked, gorgeous girls everywhere. It was insane. Whenever we had a band stay at our house and they said, What do you guys want to do? The the city's your yours. And they say, We just want to sit on a stoop with a king can and look at chicks. <laughs> Amazing looking women there. Well, uh, I think not it's the Louis XIV sent all the saucy broads <laughs> over because he didn't want any cool chicks. Right. And then they started breeding with the natives and whoa. Yeah. But anyway, it's got a lot of good stuff going for it, but you just can't make money. It's an anti-profit country. And, and that's what we're starting to see here. A lot of this, this socialist ethos is drifting down here. And Stephen and I have lived it. And we're maybe it's good that we have immigrants like us because we go, trust me, we've tried to placate these nuts. They only want more. Right. Well, you know, it's funny, and I've talked about this, too. So, so you've been here right when Barack Obama ran for president. Yeah. And a lot of conservatives were saying, look at his policies. He, he wants European socialism, right? Leftists said, socialist is now code for the N-word. And I always yeah. said to them, I said, well, you can't say that to me because I, I come from a place where socialism isn't a bad word. It's just part of the everyday political vernacular. Yes. It's just, oh, so, oh yeah, so, socialist. Oh, you're a socialist? You're part of the Liberal Party. You're, what are you, NDP? Oh, yeah, socialism is fine there. So it's not it's a, a given. Right. Yes, exactly. And as a matter of fact, if you actually look into the reasons Quebec wants to separate, 
some of it could sort of be applied to 10th Amendment principles. You know what I mean? They feel as though they're this big tax base and they're paying for people in the other part of the country. And if you actually look at it, there's a shred of conservatism in there where they feel uh, as though they're not being represented fairly, and then they miss it with the language laws and the authoritarianism, yes. essentially. Missed it by that much, Chief. <laughs> it is a good point. And I go back and forth on that. Sometimes I'm pro-separatist because I like the idea of statism. Right. And and this, uh, I want a million flowers to bloom, as Mao would say, just tons of little countries. But that's not... Their agenda is just more, more welfare. I mean... Yeah. They're on the teeth, and they they think because they have Quebecor, and and uh, what, what's the other one uh, uh, that builds the Bombardier? They think because they have two corporations, they're rich, and we're holding them back. Oh, look it up. You're on welfare. Right, I know. Well, that's the thing. And then they want to separate for independence, and then provide more welfare. Gavin McGinnis, we will bring you back after the break. Uh, so glad to speak with someone from my hometown, Montreal, who is also a reasonable human being. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at S. Crowder. If you're anything like me, you enjoy a good glass of wine. But finding the right kind can be a hassle. Or maybe you want to buy a nice bottle as a gift but don't know where to start. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Simplified Wine makes buying good wine simple. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a qualified sommelier will take your information budget, send you a curated list, and then wine straight to your door. It's just that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to get great wine, but the least expensive. All you do is call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE. That's 844-297-WINE. Or don't like phone calls, you can just go to SimplifiedWine.com and hit the Simplify button. Same thing, just digital. Any wine you want, they can get. Just call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to your door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. We are back. Gavin McGinnis, Free Speech Podcast. You can find it online if you have the Googles, which President Obama apparently does not. Gavin, <laughs> thanks for being back. And, uh, okay, you're settled in. He was making coffee while we were talking with him and was complaining about the Nespresso machines. Now I want more coffee. This is a weird, this is a weird way to start off a third segment. <laughs> 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 well, that takes us perfectly, Gavin, to the belly flop versus swine swan dive. Swine dive, I guess. You could, you could swine use, dive. You could use that too. You wanted to get into that. Now, what is your, I guess, perspective on that? Okay, here's a, a belly flop is, oh, shut up. You'd be happier at home. Let's cut the crap. Most women would be happier at home, probably 95%. They're just pretending they like work and they have stupid jobs and they don't even hold a candle to being a mom. So shut up. That's a belly flop. A swan dive is, look, of course there are women who are meant to be in the workforce, but studies have sh are showing the vast majority uh, are less happy since feminism. There's a University of Pennsylvania study that looked at 800 women across the board of race, uh, color, creed, uh, wage, everything, and they were all less happy. And then it, the book Why Men Earn More than War by Warren Farrell said, broke down life into about 25 choices, and he discovered that women tend to choose more family-based events and forego work and then mm -hmm. end up making less money and get promoted less. That's the swan dive. Right. Uh, what's more effective? I don't know. 
Well, I will tell you this, a swan dive, no one would ever have seen it anyway. Exactly. And maybe the belly flop, people go, what an ass. And then the few curious people go, I'm going to find data that refute. Oh, right. Oh, it's true. Whoa. No, I, I agree. And I think, I, and this is actually a book that I'm writing, and it's funny. I pitched it to a bunch of conservative publishers back when I was still attempting to swan dive properly. And they said, well, we're doing, we're doing Obama doomsday books right now, and this is funny, and it's just it's too offbeat, and we just – no. And so I was like, okay, so I just put it in my back pocket. But it's funny because we've talked about this. There are two different kinds of leftists, okay? There's the what I call the American idiot uh, twist on Green Day, the people who just accept what's been prescribed to them by the culture at large. Yeah, this for them the it's just fashion. Right. It's just this is what you believe, and that's that's the easy going with the grain. And then there, there are the modern leftists, the Sean Penns, the James Camerons, the people who are proactively manipulating and want – like Barack Obama. Does he not know those stats? I think he does, and I think he wants to make sure to keep that divide in existence between men and women, Americans, divide and conquer. And so he manipulates that. And so I think there are two different approaches. I think with the American idiot um, – <laughs> which could definitely apply to Tamron Holder. I'm sorry. Um, there is, you can reach them. You can change their minds. With the modern leftist, you cannot because they have a vested interest. Like you said, they're confronted with data. They're going to, to dig their heels in. So with them, I think you need to make an example of them so that you can reach the American idiots following them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's my goal. I mean, the goal here is Helping women. I'm trying to share joy, believe it or not. Right. And by saying to women that are over 30, check your ovaries, look it up, I'm trying to make them happy. Every single 20-something I know not only says she doesn't want kids, but talks about it like it's disgusting. Yeah. And I think feminism has brainwashed them into thinking that having a baby is for sellout, loser, hillbilly, nothings. <laughs> and abortions and condoms are empowering. I mean, even lesbians in lesbian porn not for men, I'm talking lesbian, by lesbians, for lesbians, they use contraception on the sex toys. It, it's really? like empowering to them, yeah. So that's the... <laughs> that's the that's, most bizarre thing I've ever heard on this program. I know, I, I forgot to ask a lesbian like foam? yesterday about it. Yeah, it's, it's, anyway, we won't get into too much detail, but it's confusing. Um, and then every 40-something I know <laughs> is saying, what have I done? They're asking me to hook them up with my single friends, and I don't, I don't know how to say My single friends are shallow. They don't want you. Right. And they're spending tons of money, the ones that do have a man, on in vitro, like tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, and in vitro is bizarre. You know, it, it gives you quintuplets knowing that four will die. It's, it's some sick God play. I, that, I that like stuff. going old-fashioned. Old it's kind of like that uh, down Periscope movie. Everyone else is going nuclear. I'm going to stick with the diesel sub. Exactly. Look, if it no. ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. And if you are one of these freaks who's meant to be totally male and not have kids, by all means, go bananas. But we're at the point now where the majority think they're this freak. Like Kennedy. You know Kennedy on Fox Business? Yeah. She would love to be at home with her kids, but she was cursed with a gift to do incredible TV. I mean, she reads the teleprompter like Mozart. Right. And she's great on the fly. She's great. She had this big fight with John Bolton a few months ago that was, it was like watching the, the greatest boxing match I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'd be dumb. It's like LeBron James. He'd be dumb not to play basketball. But you're not all LeBron James. Right now, feminism, feminism is at a point where they all think they're LeBron. Yeah, and you know what's funny is, so we did a video this week, you probably haven't seen it, I'll send it to you afterward, where we asked people, 
about the definitions like thug, riots. And every, what's, fun, what's funny is everyone across all different colors and genders recognize the same people thugs. So you had black people who recognize both black people and white people, and we show them a slideshow as thugs, and white people who recognize the same both black people and white people as thugs. But what we did find was when we asked people about microaggression, the term, have you heard it? Have you heard of this term? Not a single person, including black people, had heard of the term. The only group that had were gender studies feminists. Those were the only... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. And they went 60 grand into debt learning that made-up language. I, it's right. like Klingon. And I always say, like, <laughs> lawyers learn a crazy, mixed-up, weird language that no one speaks, but they use that in court. Right. When these genderqueer graduates start talking, everyone goes, what the hell is intersectionality? Right. It's not on, it's not on uh, Webster's.com. It's well, not in the dictionary. Well, the reason the language is, is right, they say thug is the new N-word. And when we asked people, everyone said, no, I think that's a racist statement to make because you're applying something to black people that can apply across the board. I mean, everyone agrees. Yeah. yeah, the bikers in Waco are just as much of a thug as Mike Brown. Can, you can know what agree? it is? Science, STEM is hard. Science is hard. But it's fun to sound smart. So what they've right. done is they've made up a fake science. It's like astrology. And they've made up these fake words, and they've made up all this fake data, so they can put on a lab coat and play science man. And you're <laughs> like, like Bill Nye. Yeah, <laughs> totally Bill Nye is fake kind of a science phony guy. Too, even he's yeah. like a within the scientific community, he's not really respected as a peer. But anyway, yeah, they they make up all this fake science, and then they come storming at you, and they say. White male patriarchy is raping women. White men are, are the reason there's sexism. And you go, really? In 2005, 10 white men raped black women. 37,000 black men raped white women. Now, I don't want to make it about race, but if you want to go there, we can go there. And the numbers ain't pretty, lady. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. What I was going to get was... 37,460 versus 10. Good Lord. Well... Like you said, we're not. You don't want to be the one bringing it to the racial discussion. But that's the thing is they only see race. And the thing about the microaggression and the thing about thug is the new N word, socialist is the new N word. The one common theme, the common thread through all of that is leftists are creating a language that allows them to attribute a motive to someone without ever having to prove it. If right. I say thug. I can mean a biker bar. I mean, you know, we're from Montreal. Biker gangs were legendary between Hell's Angels. Rock, and rock machine. machine. Rock machine, exactly. And you know what's funny about them? They actually weren't motorcyclists. They were a gang, and they said, well, the big thing is motorcycle gangs in Montreal, guys, so can we can we all get Harleys? <laughs> and I think a good portion of them had, like, import Japanese bikes. Like, they weren't Yeah, even... the Hell's Angels were totally confused by their stupid bikes. They'd be <laughs> on mopeds. <laughs> <laughs> I get riding a driving Vespas. Yeah. But then they would slit your throat. Yeah. Oh, but you know, it's interesting, Crowder. We come from a place where we've seen what happens when they try to control the language. They take Polaroids of stores. You get fines. Your company gets shut down exactly. because you're too English. So when we see liberals trying to control the language and divert the conversation and say thug, and we're starting this new committee to monitor comedy clubs, and you can't say rape jokes, and you can't, and this is a code word for this, and we're going to put all the whites in one room. We've been there, and we go, no, 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 don't try to control the language. It always gets worse. It's going to snowball. Right. Well, And then also what's funny is I say this, and people don't believe me. When we've, we had a black guest on, uh, Phil Ed, 
I don't know his last name, Phil from the Advice Show, and he was talking about how you don't understand, you know, as a white American, systemic discrimination. And I go, well, first off, there is no systemic discrimination in the United States. There's a, there's, there's a black president of the United States, okay? There are plenty of individual racists, absolutely. But actually, as an English-speaking Canadian born to a French-Canadian mom, you know which complicates the laws even more, I've faced more systemic discrimination in North America than probably any other group can. I had to go to French schools. They thought I was learning disabled, and I wasn't learning disabled. I just couldn't do math and geography and history in French. I was a step behind everyone else, and I wasn't allowed to go to English schools. Yeah, you want to talk about systemic, you force someone to be French, you're in their brain. (laughs) I mean, you're controlling their thoughts. Quebec isn't happy until you're counting money going 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Exactly. And like it's, they want you to literally dream in French. I know. I know. And and, it's, and when people, I go, no, this is what systemic discrimination is in Canada. And what's funny is it also results in secondary increased racism. Because we were talking about this. French Canadians, right, they create and fund it. If you don't know this, the term pure laine, right, means pure wool. The pure blood of French European blood is what they want in Quebec. And they created these language laws, right, to sort of purify the province. And so what happened, a lot of Haitians started immigrating because there's a huge uh, Haitian French community and French Canadians hate Haitians. And it totally diluted the whole pure French thing, right? Yes. Totally. Now, what are you capable of thinking in both French and English, like totally just thinking it? Either Stephen is, I'm not. I, I mean, I can think in it. I probably actually can think more clearly in French than I could speak because of the verb tenses. I mean, you know, Gavin, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's a perishable skill. You lose it if you don't use it enough. Yeah. That... And it's a stupid language. <laughs> <laughs> but what, when I think of thinking in a different language than your like native common language, it reminds me there, I think it was a Clint Eastwood movie about, he had to fly a helicopter and he had to think it in Russian because it was controlled. It was, it might've been somebody else other than, but at any rate, there was this movie where the guy couldn't fly a helicopter unless he thought about it in Russian because it was a helmet that he wore to fly the thing. Yeah, that's a trip. And our immigrants today, they come to this country and they hate it, and they don't want to learn it. But the way white people are when they immigrate somewhere else, I mean, they really get into the country. And I I lived in Taiwan for a while, and there was this Canadian guy there who married a Chinese woman. We, We were both teaching English, and he had Chinese kids. And he would just sit reading the Chinese paper, you know, every day and talking to his kids, sounding and so, hey, and he was just a Mandarin dude. And I couldn't wrap my mind around that. But it's it's a big part of what Quebec's going for. I, yeah. I don't know how this all ties together. but I, 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 I don't know either, but it's interesting. <laughs> one thing that's amazing about Quebec is after the referendum, the biggie that was in the 90s, 96 or something. Is that Jacques Parizeau and all that? Yes. Okay. Les immigrés. Yeah. <laughs> they lost a separatist election, and he said, you know whose fault this is? The immigrants and the English. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, walking down the street that week, if you were speaking English to your friend, you felt audacious. Yeah. And it was, it was a brave thing to do. It was crass to just walk down the street and say, hi, Joe, how are you today? And... That is the culture we're in with political correctness. If you are at work and you're talking to someone and there's a slightly sexual tinge to your joke and women are in the room, you feel like you're speaking English after the referendum in Quebec. And I remember that feeling and I don't want to feel ashamed. I don't like feeling guarded. So political correctness is a great uh, example 
uh, no, sorry, it's a great um, analogy here with Quebec separatism and the Quebec French. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know what, Gavin? I think what you just said took you more than 45 <laughs> seconds on a panel would allow you. And I think that's why you are a belly flopper, for better or worse, and that's a good thing. I think the digital age, the, the, the Internet revolution, allows someone like you to have a voice and have the time needed to to let that voice get out there, you know? Well, that's I mean, the second part of the debate. Sorry I keep interrupting you. I had too much coffee this morning. Fine. But the second debate is, is it up to you whether you belly flop or swan dive? You know, Roger Ailes says, if you are yourself, you're unstoppable. And I know that's weird to say to you, but uh, it, it, I think you just have to go, I would love to swan dive. <laughs> I would love to sit there and delicately lay out the figures, but I'm Bluto from Animal House. I can't help but go, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, did we quit? No, come on, rah! Germans? Who cares? He's rolling. Yeah, it's great film. It's funny, my, my video uh, producer hasn't seen that one. Ooh, it's because like, he's 12. Yeah, he's, that gives me chills when people haven't seen Animal House. He hadn't seen Slapshot either. Or 1941. You know. Those I can live with. Slapshot? <laughs> really? I don't, not a, I'm not a fan of people not being a fan. Okay, okay. But I can sleep at night if they haven't seen 1940. When people haven't seen Animal House, I get chills. I know. They're multiplying. Yeah, I, well, we're actually going to do the most offensive video in internet history and just have all of those quotes from those old films where, that you just can't say today. Dude, that's so funny you say that because uh, I'm going to break the world's record for a video podcast by talking about Animal House for 48 hours. Nice. That's very nice. I didn't mean to spill the beans, but you made it irresistible. Uh, well, I, listen, I, if you're doing guests, I'll be there. I'm an Animal House fan, and uh, I know you're going to have a tough time getting conservative pundits to come on and opine about Bluto Blutarski. Well, especially because it's going to be 5.46 in the morning <laughs> on, a, on a Tuesday night. I know. Okay, listen, Gavin, we have to let you go, but let's get you back soon and I, cause, because I also want to talk about your transitionist. Listen. It's no secret that you're a pretty pretty profane, out there guy, and you talked about having children and how that changed you into believing in God and sort of you're on this faith journey, which I also find interesting. So will you come back soon on the program? I would love to come back and talk about the Lord. Talk about the Lord, which also, funny fact about Quebec, the single most unchurched population in the industrialized world. Gavin McGinnis, Free Speech Podcast. Where can people best find that one? I'm sorry, you can't just go out on that. There's less churches in Quebec than anywhere no, else? No, no, unchurched. Probably the most beautiful churches in North America, the old Catholic churches, but the most right. unchurched, meaning people don't attend and people don't care about You things. know, that song, <laughs> Losing My Religion, was huge in Quebec. It was. It was huge yeah. in Quebec. But we have to let you go. Where can people best find no. your podcast? Uh, check me out on Twitter, Gavin underscore McInnes. Free Speech Podcast is on iTunes. It's on Daily Motion. I'm around. All right, Gavin, thank you very much. We will be back Louder with Crowder and have Gavin on sometime soon. Stay tuned. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. How hard is that? You stumbled over your words and you only had to say 
you're listening to Louder with Prouder. That's six words, and you messed up one of them. I got to stop doing this crap live. <laughs> da, da. I, have, I have to do it live. You don't get to pre-tape it like your Saturday night you show. You just pre-taped 90 minutes. What are you talking about? Don't let the audience <laughs> in on the gag. <laughs> sure, we do pre-tape some of the guests because they, they don't, don't want like to get up this up. early. No, I know. And and listen, we have we've had some pretty some surprisingly huge guests on this uh, this program where we had yeah. Michelle Malkin on there. Yeah. She's coming on next week or two Out- weeks from now. Outstanding. Well, we've had we've had Malkin, we've had Imam Chowdhury, we've had Dean Kane, we've had Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen's actually probably the biggest guest we've had as far as uh, we should over- get we should get him on again. He was kind of wild. He is pretty wild. As a matter of fact, this is to answer someone's question. By the way, special shout out, happy birthday, are you Jim Williams. Eating? What do you have in your mouth? I don't have anything in my mouth. I've just I had coffee and so it's giving me that dry mouth. But Jim Williams, happy birthday, my friend. Happy birthday, man. Keep on rocking. One of our most loyal listeners sent out a tweet. Also, someone wanted to ask me about my opinion. For those who of you who don't know, I don't the know UFC is in a huge turmoil right now because John Jones, their light heavyweight champion, is out because of a cocaine problem. He hit a pregnant woman in a car and he claims to be a christian christian tattoos all over his body i have a few strong opinions on that and it's more of a macro issue with the culture at large people going out and i don't want people waving my my team flag wearing my team jersey if you're not really on the team i'd rather you simply go out and say well, I'm, I'm not a christian uh, we'll talk more about that and the death penalty after this louder with crowder Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. So glad to be back with you. I am your host, Stephen Crowder, as always, the most insubordinate producer in radio. Fun Dip Dan. Follow us on Twitter. So, what? The one item of news this week that is actually kind of important is a jury, grand jury, indicted the six officers in Baltimore. Did you see that? I heard about it on the radio. So that's about all we know. Now, now it is important. A lot of people don't understand what that means. You'll have some people going out going, see, they're guilty. No, that doesn't mean that. You can be charged which means you're arrested, and then with a grand jury, not a, uh, a trial jury or a smaller jury, they can actually determine crime. Grand jury basically decides when they indict you that there's enough evidence to go to trial. That doesn't mean conviction. Could result in a conviction. Maybe it won't. The grand jury just said there's enough evidence here to take this to trial. So that is what's happening with the officers in Baltimore. Do you notice something here? Notice something? No one on the right is protesting or throwing a fit or rioting. Again, because the burden of proof 
is on you if you start rioting. I've always said this. People go, well, so you just love, you just support white cops, by the way. Some of these cops are black. Let's remember that. No, I don't have a dog in this fight. Grand jury indicted them means there's enough evidence to go forward to trial. Great. Let's see what happens. Let's see if they're guilty. If they're guilty in the Freddie Gray case, if they murdered an innocent kid with malice, good. Good. I think, I think you should absolutely watch these people rot in prison. If they didn't, it'll come out in a trial. Isn't that beautiful? We have a legal system. It's like, I just wish there was a way, I just wish there were a way to solve these problems. We are. This is the system. Contrast that with Michael Brown. It was Darren Wilson sat before a grand jury. Three of the members were black. Okay, so let's not just act as though it's stacked with a bunch of white people. I know what they'll say. Well, those people weren't really black. They were like Carlton. So. <laughs> and, they, and, and that's what's so important here, Fund. The context is even more important when you look at the Mike Brown situation, the Darren Wilson situation, rather, because a grand jury... All they needed to do was say, yes, there's enough evidence to indict, meaning take it to trial. The grand jury in Darren Wilson's case said, no, there isn't enough evidence at all to even take this to trial. We absolve them. So that's important because at that point, a grand jury, again, you know, there's the innocent until proven guilty to be charged. But actually, a grand jury just needs to decide if there's enough evidence to bring it before people who can issue a conviction. And in Darren Wilson's case, he said, there's not even enough evidence for this thing to go to trial. Completely self-defense. So it's important to note that. In this case, it seems like there is enough evidence, regardless of where you line up with the Baltimore mayor. I know she tried to charge them with homicide right off the bat, which I thought was a little fishy. Again, I don't know. It seems to me when you go one day with no evidence at all to the next day charging with homicide, not manslaughter, homicide, that's a pretty quick progression that we don't usually see in today's legal system. But grand jury said there's enough evidence. So we'll see what happens. Do you honestly care, fund it by their way? If they if, Don't you just want them to be convicted if they're guilty and, and let off if they're not? Isn't Well, yeah, that's, that's the way an, a normal person thinks about it. You get your average person on the far left, and they think, we want them convicted regardless of whether or not they did it because we just want to set an example of these police so the police don't beat the hell out of people anymore. It's like police have to beat the hell out of some people because some people... <laughs> Got it coming. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's a that's a postcard. Police have to beat the hell out of some people. Because they got it coming. It's true. They had it coming. Sometimes. Sometimes. You just have to beat that ass, Larry. So, <laughs> if anyone watches Cur Curb Your Enthusiasm, they'll know that was Leon. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta beat that ass, Larry. Gotta get up in that ass, Larry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one, I just, and I know people will say your white male cisgender privilege is showing. I just don't care enough. I don't care enough about those cops. I don't care enough about anything. Really. I, I don't care enough to have a dog in the fight to be like, no, every single cop must get off. No, the, the thing that I care about most is that justice be served. And the people out there are going, no justice, no peace for Michael Brown. They don't really want justice. Someone who wants justice, I'm sorry, it sounds arrogant, is someone like me who goes, I don't care. I don't know these cops. I don't care if they get charged with murder. If they are murderers, great. If they're not, I hope they get set free. 
I mean, how, how could I be any? I don't know how I could be any more reasonable than that. If you think I'm unreasonable, you can always tweet me at S. Crowder. So I do want to answer a question from a, a viewer here because they know I'm a fan of, of mixed martial arts, UFC. We've had a lot of those athletes out here on the show. John Jones right now, this, this weekend, there's a huge title fight, and it's actually a title fight where the title was vacated by John Jones, who's probably the most dominant combat athlete in the history of combat, really, outside of possibly Georges St. Pierre. He has tested positive before for, for cocaine, and we had Chael on the show, and he talked about that. Checked him to rehab, didn't even stop the Bentley. <laughs> Checked his behind right back out, same day. Now... He hit someone with his car. They found drugs in the car, marijuana in the car, and he hit a pregnant woman. And it's come out that he's been doing drugs. It's not a one-time incident. So they stripped him of the title, and people are fighting for the interim title in the wake. What is my opinion on that? I don't really know if it matters, honestly, but again, I just want justice to be served. And I do think this. I do think that my friend Chael Sonnen made this point, and for those of you who obviously aren't interested in the sport, this isn't really about the sport. For a guy to be struggling with drugs like this, for a guy to be caught going to rehab once, leave, and now we find out that he's still doing drugs and he's messing up, he's messing up. I think there's a lot of shame in dealing with that. I think there's a lot of shame and that dictates people's actions. Um, I think he needed to do the PR thing and he said, it was a one-time deal, I'm going to rehab, and he obviously didn't care. He was lying to the public because he was doing a lot of drugs. And I think you see this a lot in our celebrity culture and with athletes. What I do hope to see and what I, I think people need to understand if you are struggling with any of these issues, granted, I've never struggled with drugs. I've never struggled with alcoholism or anything like that. I have struggled with being depressed. I've struggled with anxiety. Now, I haven't let you all in on that in a degree that I would feel comfortable on a personal level because there are things that you need to keep to yourself. But it's one thing to not let your enemies see you bleed. It's one thing to not let the public see your shortcomings. But I think for someone like John Jones, I think it's very important that he not lie with the people around him. So if anyone out there is listening and you're dealing with shame, and it's something that everyone struggles with, whatever your problem is, I understand not, not letting people in, not tipping your hand publicly. That's important, sure. But it's just as important that if you're going to your people, whether it's your psychologist, your psychiatrist, your dad, your wife, your accountability partner, whoever it is, that you are honest with them. So in John Jones's case, he needs to go to them and say, listen, I've got a drug problem. I've been doing it for a long time. This is how much, this is how often, and, and I need to fix it. And unless he has that moment, he can't fix it. And that's with any problem in life, any problem specifically relating to shame. Unless you have that honest conversation and you have someone else who's going to keep you accountable, you are going to continue going down the wrong path, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've never seen it end up any other way. So... Sorry to get philosophical on you, but hopefully that answers the question regarding John Jones. And, and also, hopefully it helps some people out there because I've, I've dealt with that. You know, I've had issues where I've needed to be called on it. The great thing is I have a very strong wife who calls me out on my crap all the time. As a matter of fact, we're trying to get her here on the show in this last segment because I'd like to talk about feminism with her. And I'd like to talk about our relationship and how my sexism, and I'm completely straightforward, because the definition of sexism, according to feminists, is treating women differently than men. I'm a horrible sexist. I'm incredibly sexist against my wife. 
I treat her very, very differently than I treat Fundip or I treat my friends or I treat my father. And that is because she's a woman. So, so you don't moon her on a Skype camera? I don't moon her on a Skype camera. Oh, okay. That's true. I don't do that. I've never called her a dumbass. That's because I mean, she's a, not. She's not. That's true. But it's, it's funny, though, to, when, you, when you talk about this, you know, women, we had a, a feminist yesterday who we were talking with on, I was doing a Man on the Street interview. The video is going to be up on the website here. And she, was a, she self-identified as a feminist. Okay. And she said, you know, you don't know what it's like to be a woman and deal with sexism. I said, well, can you give me an example of what you dealt with? She said, well, yesterday I was walking down the street. I get catcalled. I said, well, how, how so? Guy, you know, yelled out, nice smile. I said, great. Sounds fantastic. You don't know what that's like. And I, firstly, I'm sitting there in my head going, yeah, sweetheart, you don't know what that's like. I think you're making it up. Because most of the women who are mad at compliments are ugly chicks who never get compliments. So I they, can relate to them. <laughs> Not that uh, I'm a chick. But, but even then, I'm going, that's, why have you taken something so beautiful and turned it into something that's supposed to, that you've now sullied a man giving you a compliment? And she goes, well, men, do you, do you ever get that? I said, you know what? I actually have, but it's rare. I don't get catcalls. But you know what else? Women, you don't get men looking at you in the gym thinking you're weak based on how much you're benching or based on how many pull-ups you can do. You don't get men sizing you up in a bar to see if something goes down, if they can take you. You don't get men sizing you up to see if you're as funny or as smart as they are to try and go speak to that woman at the other end of the diner who's attractive and all the... So, yeah, we do treat each other differently, and men do look at women differently, and they do look at men differently. And I tell you this, women, it is patriarchy, it is sexism that protects you from the barbarity of men. Because if you had any idea how men treat each other, you would not want that kind of treatment. Believe you me. We'll go to the break. Come back. I'm going to try and convince my wife to come on the program. She doesn't seem too keen. We'll see. Louder with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Got it on Louder with Crowder. Yes, you do. Fundip got it right that time. So glad to be back with you. Still trying to get the Mrs. Mrs. Crowder on the show. We'll see if she will. Come on, Mrs. C. Come on. Oh, I see her here in the room. She might come in, but we'll bring her on after the next segment, and she can talk about, uh, she can defend herself for swatting me in the Costco parking lot. Oh, now she has to come on because I just threw out some accusations. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, domestic abuser? So we'll you are see such you. a pansy. She's looking through the crack of the door. For those who don't know, I have a home studio, which is wonderful. It means I can roll out of bed and come speak with you in the morning, all across the country, of course, Michigan, Alaska, and then every. Funnily enough, you know, of the thousands and thousands of people who listen to the podcast, uh, New York State, a lot of people listening in New York State, thousands of people in New York State. No idea why. So, news story this week. Los Angeles, 
they're raising the minimum wage to, wait for it, wait for it, $13. No, I'm kidding, it's $12. No, I'm kidding, it's $14.25. No, it's $15 an hour. $15 an hour for minimum wage in Los Angeles. It's insane. And as you can imagine, this has consequences, utterly predictable consequences, and repeatedly, publicly predicted consequences. Among them, we wrote about this at Ladder with Crowder, a depression, of course, of the city's economy, diminished commerce within the city limits, increased joblessness, and a huge loss in small and family-owned businesses. And it's already happened. It's literally already happened. They're going to slowly raise it. I think they claim to, I think, 2020. Uh, they, they're claiming they're going to raise it slowly over the next the course of the next few years. Here's the deal. Someone tweeted me this saying, well, you know, you don't know what it's like to try and raise a family on minimum wage. You shouldn't. You shouldn't try and raise a family on minimum wage. I'm sorry. Minimum wage is the bare minimum, meaning the minimum needed to survive. That's what it should be, okay? If you have children, you now require more than the minimum. Anyone who's ever had children, no, listen, they are high maintenance. A wife is high maintenance. If you have either of those things. Sometimes a dorky husband who likes Star Wars stuff is high maintenance. Yeah, well, you're like you're like the remora that clings to the bottom of the shark feeding on the scraps. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Listen, now you require more than the bare minimum. Let me ask you this, okay? If I'm a business owner. Okay. And I have to start hiring people at $15 an hour. It is, by the way, a skillless job, okay? Frying potatoes at McDonald's requires no, literally a four-year-old could do it if it were allowed. A, a nutless monkey could do that job, okay? You could literally train a chimpanzee to make fries at McDonald's. I'm not even exaggerating. That's racist. I've, I've seen, oh. stop it, fun dip. Stop it. Fun Dip, not me at all. That's not where I was going. Send your hate mail to at Fun Dip Dan. You could literally, I've seen chimpanzees at the gym. Like I've seen people train them to do gymnastics and stuff like that. You don't think you could train them to just hit plunge with a basket and potatoes? Of course you could. So it is a skillless job. Do you know right now, right now in America today, do you know who doesn't make $15 an hour? College graduates. There are a lot of college graduates out there who spend a ton of money, who spend a lot of time going to school, or even people who go to trade school, learning a craft, unless you have a useless degree like, you know, philosophy or a master's in German poetry. Then broadcasting. You oh, no, broadcasting's a practical degree. But the point is, you have a lot of college graduates who don't make $15 an hour. So, what makes you think that having never made those, you could literally live an entire life right now having never made a good decision. Never. Not once. Not going to school. Not passing a test. Not getting a decent score. Uh, not waiting until you're married to have children and having stability. Not wrapping it up with a rubber. You could literally have gone your entire life not making a single good decision. And you have social justice warriors saying, you deserve $15 an hour. Why do you deserve $15 an hour? What makes you think that you deserve more than most college graduates can find today? And by the way, do you know what will happen? Nothing. You won't get hired at all. People will just stop hiring you. Okay? It won't be, it won't be a sustainable economy. If I'm a business owner, the first thing I do, 
And then these same people go on and come, nothing's built in America anymore. This is everything is over. Well, yeah, you're going to send more jobs overseas if you demand a minimum wage be $15 an hour. Now you're going to drive all the way to China just to get your fries. Yes. Those, those are like, they're, they're more so seared pigeon toes over there in China. They don't eat anything decent in China. You're just being ethnocentric. No, they eat cats, and that is screwed up. I mean, listen. I honestly, I, I've thought about it. It's one of those things where I was forced to rationalize my decision. And when I said, I just, I'm just not okay with eating cats, I realized there was no real justification. I just don't like the thought of it. That's all. And I, I'm okay with that. I don't need, that's a decision that I'm not rationalizing. I just don't want to eat kittens. Okay. Uh, domesticated pigs. I get it. I get it. We eat pigs and they're pretty affectionate. They can be pretty smart and it's wrong and it's okay, but I love bacon. I'm not willing to try crossing that line with cats. I could never eat a kitty either. They're my best friends. I mean, my if only I, friends. I've eaten ostrich. Oh, ostrich. ostrich is friggin' good. It's kind of like between beef and, the ch and chicken, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, it's a hybrid. It's a fantastic, fantastic. I've eaten uh, ostrich. I've had wild boar. I've had snake. I've had gator. Good. I had good. duck. I had duck. It was too greasy. I'll never have duck again. Duck is fine. Duck is common. That's your exotic experiment. Have you ever had gator? No. No, I have not. I've had well, Gatorade. <laughs> He's like, you, you know, we try and elevate this show to a certain level. I got to bring it down to the common man. And then you, it's, that's not the common man. You're saying the common man likes crappy puns? <laughs> yeah. You, you think the common man likes crap? You think the common it man doesn't comes... get any more common than fun dip. You think they come to Louder with Crowder and say, I demand crap? <laughs> yes. You need to do, you need to get a focus group. Get Frank Luntz in here with his hairpiece with the dialing knobs. All right, Jim, do you like what I'm doing? I always find that funny, the Frank Luntz focus groups on Fox News. I, 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 from all Who measurable, is that? Well, I don't, you know, he's on Fox News a lot, or I think he's on CNN now. I saw him on The View. And his focus group, he's like, oh, I've, I've, I'm the consultant for Coca-Cola. He talks about all these companies that he's turned into these multi-billion dollar corporations. And his focus group is like, hey, 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 which one of you guys, which one of you guys thinks the Coke tastes good? Raise your hand. Oh, oh, five of them think the Coke tastes good. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, how is this a folk? A focus group I always thought was conducted with a, with a one, you know, a one-way glass window, one-way mirror. Or two like the mirror. Pepsi challenge, where you can't see which one is which. Right, where you can't see where it is. The guy conducting the fo focus group speaks through a speaker, and you you know you use a dial. It's to remove as much human contact and emotion as possible. I don't. So I don't know what this is. It it, it just defies everything I know about focus groups. Speaking of focus groups, we need to focus. You don't deserve fifteen dollars an hour. It's one of those things people don't understand. It's biting the hand that feeds you and destroying your economy. You look at places like California. You look at places like Seattle. It's never worked out well, raising the minimum wage. And I think it's better to equip people and create an economy that provides more jobs for which people can develop skills and be paid more than minimum wage. Minimum wage should be kind of uncomfortable. Minimum wage is society and maybe God's way of telling you, you need to, you need to make some better decisions. You need to start picking up your game a little bit. Pick up the pace, okay? That's what minimum wage is. We shouldn't tell everyone they should feel good about minimum wage and stay there. We should 
create a society where we expect people to thrive, where we expect people to progress, because I want what's best for you. I don't want a $15 minimum wage, not because I hate you, but because fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. If you're anything like me, you enjoy a good glass of wine. But finding the right kind can be a hassle, or maybe you want to buy a nice bottle as a gift but don't know where to start. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Simplified Wine makes buying good wine simple. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a qualified sommelier will take your information budget, send you a curated list, and then wine straight to your door. It's just that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to get great wine, but the least expensive. All you do is call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE. That's 844-297-WINE. Or don't like phone calls, you can just go to SimplifiedWine.com and hit the Simplify button. Same thing, just digital. Any wine you want, they can get. Just call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to your door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. You've found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility? How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Everybody hates my opinion. We are definitely going to get letters. <laughs> You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange you're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal, I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to So glad to be back. This is a world exclusive first here on Louder with Crowder. Third hour, going to be wrapping it up with talk minimum wage, death penalty, the Duggars. But I am actually here now and joined in studio by the one and only Mrs. Crowder to talk about sexism and our little tussle in the Costco parking lot. Hillary Crowder, thank you so much. Oh, Stephen Crowder, you're so welcome. I'm thrilled that I could travel this far to join you this morning. <laughs> by, by the way, little known fact, I just found out that my wife was unable to sleep, so she took a mild sedative at about 2.30 a.m., and it has yet to wear off. So I'm not quite sure if this is a good idea, but... I'm feeling great, so let's do this. Well, for the first time in my life, I have a mute button on my wife, so I... And if you use it, it'll be the last time. (laughs) Okay, here we go. So, Hillary, we've been talking about sexism today quite a bit. Um, Sorry, we're we're now finding out that your voice is, is is a little bit hot. As we're talking, so fun dip. You can let us know how it sounds as I, she comes. Yeah, I just did. I know you just did, but I'm just saying I just t- I took her down a little bit. It's different, different. She's like an octave higher than I am, so it's yeah. It's, it's going, like talking like this. Like oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> oh yep, you guessed it, Mickey. So we were talking about sexism, and, and you have a theory on women because we've talked about this we did the cat calling video and you always talk about this and it's i'm not allowed to have an opinion because it's supposed to be you're a man as your patriarchy is showing you say that the, the women who complain about being complimented in the streets all have a commonality what is it be nice okay i will try to be as nice as i can 
generally speaking, I think that women who are, oh, he's catcalling me. I'm so offended. He called me cute. Oh, this is so sexist. The one common thread that I believe they all share is they are unattractive goons. And the reason that they are B-I-T-C-H-ing about men hitting on them is because they want to be part of the cute girls club where men actually do look at you. And so it makes them feel really special. So they just complain about it and they freak out about it. And in reality, it's never, ever actually happening. They just want to pretend that it's happening because it makes them feel part of the attractive females club. That's that sounds a little harsh. You asked me my opinion. Hey, when a man asks your opinion, he doesn't really want it. No, I want to hear your opinion. You will speak when spoken Stop to. Stop lying no, I will to your speak wife. Now. You asked my opinion. What's so funny is that I, we've talked about this. People say, you know, conservatives are sexist and they just want women in the kitchen. I mean, you're not a weak-willed shrinking violet. No, if I were a weak-willed shrinking violet, you would have run over me with a truck five Five, three years ago, five years ago, actually, when we were dating. No, absolutely not. I love my husband dearly. He is a wonderful man. Why? <laughs> well, he's funny and silly and he's sweet and kind, usually. And <laughs> I will say, though, I think that conservative women generally, if you are married to a a strong man. And, and I will say that I don't think liberal men are generally speaking strong men. I think they're usually more pansies. They're more effeminate. Hey, what's wrong with pansies? I like to smell them, but not as a man. You wouldn't um, like to smell me. Have you been in my office? <laughs> no, I like to smell pansy flowers. Or oh. is that um, but I think that generally speaking, liberal men tend to be to be weaker. They tend to be um, nothing. There's nothing wrong with being soft spoken. I think that's very good quality, but they just tend to have less of a backbone so they can marry these women who are equally not as strong or who want to pretend to be these strong feminists. But I think that generally speaking, conservative women, if you are married to a man with conservative values, which means he's a strong man, you better be pretty darn strong too. You need to have a backbone as well. And sometimes, as occurred last week, you were a little too strong. <laughs> now, Mama, if you're listening... It was wrong to smack Steven around. <laughs> However, comma, that does not mean he didn't deserve it. And I think you'll yes, be the does. first to agree, Steven. Well, I, well, and this is, this is. I, I was wrong, but you, that doesn't mean you didn't deserve it. it and does, he probably liked it. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. Well, Hillary, okay, you're off the mic. Okay. Get, All right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Okay. Fundiv, as an objective observer. If you were in the Costco parking lot and you announced to every mother getting their child out of the car, every true. parking lot attendant, every person that has a little marker that's checking off your receipt to it's make sure true. you're not stealing Oreos, my wife locked us out of the car! Can <laughs> you believe it? Was I so wrong? No, I would have been I would have been like, she's a moron. That's no, what he did. That's not what happened. What happened was I went to, we were at Costco. She locked me out of the car, both of us, okay? I always give her the, just any man out there, come on, back me up on this. You, If your wife has a purse, you give her the keys, you give her the things you don't want to have in your pockets, right? Because they jab into your leg. 
So I gave her the keys. This is common practice. And I said, put it in your purse, please. She said, sure. And then we leave and we come back and we see the keys sitting on her seat, on the passenger side seat. And you tried to pass it off on me. So then I'm like, okay, well, let's see how we can solve this problem. I have to go <laughs> to the Costco garage. Steven, Steven, to the Costco one. garage <laughs> and ask them for a Slim Jim. I go, hey, you know, my wife walked, locked the us out of the car. Extra spicy or regular? My That's wife locked us out of the it. car. Can you help me legally? They can't. We had to call AAA. So that is what happened. Now, this is something that, okay, Hillary, you, you admit, right? You just admit that you swatted me. D yes or no? This is not to be an argument, though. Yes or no? Hold on. Yes. Hold okay. On. No, 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 no. Just, know, that's that's not a, the point. The point is a vital to get to a, piece of information. No, the point is forgotten. to get to a follow-up. No, the okay, point fine. is to get to a follow-up. Okay. Move on. Did you swat me? Indeed, I did. Now, have you done that before? Yes. It, de yes. De it depends on yes. the definition of Now, let me ask you this. Is. Let me ask you this. Have I ever swatted you? No. Okay. Now, my video producer, Jared, <laughs> have I ever swatted you? Yes, many times, all the time. If a I, guy swats you, you swat him back. It is sexism that my respect and love for you that causes me to treat you differently, not unequally, differently than a man. If Jared were to swat me <laughs> for announcing that he locked us out of the car, I'd swat him right back. Fun dip. How many times have I smacked you on your behind? Never. Really? Yes, I have. Yes, no, I have. No. Anyway. I would be my, so grossed out by that. My point I would here, remember it. My point <laughs> here is someone just said they're voting Hillary 2016. So I think they Hillary is one L me. Well, it said two L's, but your name is spelled with one L. I need to make an important know. announcement. My name is spelled with one L, not two. Hillary, H-I-L-A-R-Y. It should be Hillary Crowder and Hillary Duff 2016. Yeah, why not? Not why not Hillary? All right, Duff? she's she's okay. But and I I turned to you and I said, what you deserve right now, what you deserve, is the exact same SWAT you gave me, and it'll never happen. And I, now people don't misconstrue that in me saying Stephen doesn't. No, I'm saying that if women wanted complete and total equal treatment, that is what they deserve: complete and total, not equal treatment, exact same treatment. You can two things can be of equal value and not be the exact same. For example, you can have $100 worth of gold or a $100 bill. They're both equal, but they're different. And that's what men and women are. And that's the way I look at it. And obviously, beyond all joking, Hillary, you, we have a pretty pretty good relationship, even though you hit me every now and then. I love you. We do have a pretty good relationship. Why? Why do I love him? Well, he's also got nice fluffy hair. That's a plus. And he's got pretty you good can, muscles. You can get a dog with fluffy hair. That he doesn't swat me with. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But here's the thing. You one thing that you have, I think, the advantage over Stephen than most men like, you know, a lot of men. Maybe this is you fun dip. I don't know. A lot of men, when they get angry, they retreat. Stephen and I, we both put our gloves on and we just go full barrel. <laughs> and Stephen is a very verbal man, if you can't tell, because he has a three hour radio show on Fridays. So I think that it would just be advised to you in the future, if you didn't want to be swatted, to just shut just your pie hole. Shut up. Yeah, just try to like, just try to like rein in. Do you hear this? Do you realize that if I said, if I said, <laughs> if you don't want to be hit in the future, it is advisable that you shut your mouth. 
<laughs> That's a Mel Gibson voicemail. <laughs> I'm serious. That's a Lifetime movie, and then you're getting pushed down a flight of stairs. No, then you're getting pushed down a flight of stairs. I love you. Oh, this she, is just... She's going to set your bed on fire one of these days. No, I do. I want everybody to know that do I... Did I marry Lorena Bobbitt? I don't know who she is. She's the one who was throwing the guy's Johnson outside the car window. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Just You just hit me in the Costco parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Steven admitted, if you didn't have a wife that swatted you every once in a while in the Costco parking lot, who knows where you'd be? You'd be in jail or something. <laughs> this is just, this has gotten way, you've lost the plot. <laughs> if you think that's the only way to cry. <laughs> anyway. Now, what, did your mother swat you around? I mean, she was a strong oh, French-Canadian no, oh, no, woman. I must say this. This is so important. My mother. No, his mother. Oh, yeah, his mom spotted him, and I love Francine. I love her. She's yeah, awesome. I figured she might, you know. But here's the other part to the story. Steven made me call my mother. No, 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 no. Mute, 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 mute. I'm going to mute her. I did not make her call her mother, okay? <laughs> my wife threatened to call her mother, and I called her bluff and said, you know what, let me speed dial her on my phone. Here you go, and I let her speak first, and she set it up. Mom, just so you know, Steven has done A- B, C, and D, and he was wrong in doing this. And she's like, well, yeah, but, you know, it sounds like. And then I took the phone and said, did she tell you about the part where she hit me? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then her mom switched. And don't say I called your mother. You called Unmute your mother. Unmute me. Unmute me. You're not muted. No, right. I can hear you. All right. I think there's one other vital piece of information missing. The tweet. Let's tell your listeners about the forced. Well, we have to go to a break. Is this the butt tweet? We will discuss it when we come back. Hillary, Mrs. Steven Crowder, on Ladder with Crowder. We'll work out our problems for all to see. You're listening to Louder with Hillary Crowder on Wham. Everybody was coming. You're listening to Louder with the Crowders. You are. For those of you who missed the last segment, my wife, the one and only Hillary with one L, Crowder, is on the program. I never asked you, did you feel weird about switching your last name? Yes, which is why I waited a little while. I just wasn't ready to let go. But then when I did, I was happy. I love my new last name. It's great. Let but it here's, go. Let it go. Here, here's the thing. I, I love my new last name, but here's the biggest problem I have with it, and it's serious. If you go on Facebook, there's like 20 other Hillary Crowders, and to me, this is unacceptable. There were zero Hillary Corzons except for me. So okay. maybe you should... What was that last name? Don't. Let's not go over her last name. Um, she's Hillary Crowder now. That's all you need to know. She's mine. I own that broad. Feminists, send your letters. Tweet me at S. Crowder. <laughs> my wife is my property. I don't quite trade her like cattle, but I could. So I don't we know what to say to that. <laughs> no, honestly, though, we, we talk about this. Uh, all of these feminists out there 
who who decry men who treat them differently. I mean, you know, right? I I open doors for you. I carry groceries for you. And I, I don't do that for men. I do that for most women. You, you see me with other women who aren't mm-hmm. you. I open doors for them. W- why is it that you're okay with that and other women think that's sexist? Did I marry a self-loathing woman? Maybe. <laughs> I have to tell the world a little secret, though, the world of women. I, I don't know if this is true, but I think this is how opening doors for women began. The first guy that did it wanted to check out the woman's butt. I think that's a good point. (laughs) Because every time you open the door for an attractive woman, you get a perfect opportunity to check out their backside. Well, I will tell you this. I had a friend who went to compete in um, in Abu Dhabi Uh, is a grappling competition. She qualified. So it was a whole expenses paid trip. And her boyfriend opened the door for her. You know, this girl Mm -hmm. at at jujitsu. And um, they took him aside, said, no, 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 no. You don't do that. And this is, by the way, in the most modern Islamic, I guess, state uh, with uh, the United uh, Arab Emirates, they said, no, don't do that. You never do that here. You never open a door for a woman. You go in first. So which one is, I know feminists, right, want us to be accepting of all cultures. So I guess maybe that's the culture we should adopt here in the States. Would you prefer that? Heck no. (laughs) I I think that really what it comes down to, these women are offended by, don't open the door for me. I can carry my own things. I think that they're women that don't think for themselves. And it's funny because feminists pride themselves on being free thinkers. I think that the only reason that they say those things is because they had some nasty feminist mother or teacher or someone who told them that that's the way that they should feel. Because as a woman and as a human being, doesn't it feel nice to feel taken care of? Doesn't it feel nice to feel cared about? Doesn't it feel nice when someone makes you feel special by going out of their way? It's, no fun dip. Nobody opens enough doors for it, you. It's completely emasculating. I am so sick of it. Well, maybe you're just sick of people mistaking you for a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? My name is Marge. <laughs> Who, when did we... When did, I don't think fun dip ever said people mistaken for a lesbian. Well, you know... I am a lesbian. I, I guess the sense his soul is more of the lesbian type. Darn tootin'. that is such a lesbian thing to say i know told you you know what it is is fun dip has no shadow from when he shaves there's just none it just literally looks like you just came out of the womb and your hair is very soft like a lesbian's (laughs) i know a lot of lesbians not really (laughs) i have a very short frame of reference (laughs) oh okay What's with all the Subarus anyway? <laughs> is, that, is it a lesbian thing, the Subarus? Yep. Subarus and Birkenstocks. I, I don't know. Apparently I'm not in the know. But it is it is interesting to, well, okay, so we've gotten through it. Hillary approves of domestic abuse toward men, and she disapproves of feminism at large. What do you think oh, about wow. this movement now, like microaggression, microaggressing that let me ask you this, because we, we again, this video will go up on the website. You know, we asked this woman, well, what do you mean discrimination? She said, well, for example, when I'm in the office, people comment on my outfits or they comment on my smile. They never do that with men. You work in an office. A lot of people don't realize this. You're a working woman. You're in an executive position. Do people comment on your outfits or, or, or how you look that day? And how do you take it? If I'm out on the road looking fly and someone doesn't say you look lovely, I am going to be offended and I am going to go back and seriously reconsider my outfit choice, how I did my hair and makeup, 
they better be thinking I'm looking thinking I'm looking cute. Here, here is another insight. I like your shoes means I like your legs. I like your shirt means I like your rack. I like your skirt <laughs> means I like your butt. They don't give a damn about the outfit. That's actually not true. It's totally, well, unless it's a really cool house. You're validating outfit. the feminist arguments right now, you filthy lesbian. <laughs> I don't even think but it's, it's that so, it, It's so funny, though, because if I were to compliment a woman on her legs, she'd get totally offended. But if I say something like, oh, my God, I love those heels. Those are great, which means I like your legs. They never know. There you go. Chaz Bono loves your legs. Hillary. And I love that he does. Thank you for coming on. We'll have to have you back where you can defend your... What, did I compliment her shoes once? (laughs) I think you did, actually. (laughs) The secret's out. All right. Hillary, thank you for coming on. Love you. We'll have you back. Louder with Crowder after the break. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 saying, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. Love dancing to happy songs. Your host, Steven Crowder, Fun Dip Dan in studio producing. Um, so listen, it's been a slower news week. Indicted the cops there in Baltimore. One thing a lot of people have been talking about, and I feel they missed the point, is the Michelle Obama fitness workout tape. That was gross. Well, why was it gross? It was Michelle Obama. Okay. I actually, you know, listen. All right, let's just come out and say it. If the media is going to talk about, remember how often they talked about sleeveless dresses because Michelle Obama has beautiful toned arms. They're just great. They, remember how they complimented her arms, Fun Dip, all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. There are four limbs. Oh, the other ones are gross. Why aren't we talking about that? It's okay to compliment Michelle Obama on her arms and talk about how toned they are. Great. Well, you're not talking about her legs. Ugh. Can I talk about her legs? Is it, is it now sexist? Is it racist for me to talk about her legs? Because it's not for you to say, beautiful, gorgeous arms. Yeah, but her legs are kind of unappealing. How dare you? Well, I, I dare because now she's releasing fitness tapes and giving training advice. Here's the point that people have missed. You can go to louderwithcrowder.com. We've had Mark Ripto on the show. We've had Rob Wolf on the show. We've had biochemists and kinesiologists on the show, as well as world champion athletes and Olympic gold medalists. And then okay? they had me. <laughs> and then you. And I've trained my entire life. As a matter of fact, I was getting my certification to become a personal trainer at one point when I was like, I don't know if I want to do the stand-up, if it's, any, if it's for me anymore. So this is not something that is foreign to me. If you follow Michelle Obama's training advice, 
you will hurt yourself severely. She gives horrible training advice in this video. I don't know who this strength coach is who they bring in. Now, again, the macro point here is I don't expect Michelle Obama to know how to train properly. 90% of people in the gym don't know how to train properly. But Michelle Obama has been given an authority which she has no legitimate to which she has no legitimate claim. There is no valid reason that Michelle Obama should have authority over dietary advice or training advice. What, Fundip? I do need to clarify how I said she was unattractive before. She's still actually better looking than Barbara Bush. Yeah. <laughs> well, Barbara Bush looks Barbara Bush is like Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, yeah. What is she, 112? But I mean, during the Bush administration, Barbara Bush was no, you know, hottie either. No, she wasn't. I, I thought she was his mom the first time I saw her. I know, everyone thought she was his mom. The, I thought she was the first Bush's mom. Yeah, it was, I know. Ugh. Laura Bush was a pretty lady. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she's a pretty lady. Um, so anyways, I know people are, how dare you, this is ad hominem. If everyone's going to compliment Michelle Obama on her arms, if everyone's going to praise her for the Let's Move campaign, well, then you have to open yourself up to it. Let me tell you this. The way Michelle Obama, for example, in the video, she's kicking a heavy bag. Let me, again, macro here for people who don't understand why this matters and they want to tune out and go to a show where someone just complains about the Democrats. This is an issue that matters because Michelle Obama now has authority in a realm to which she has no legitimate claim. So if it starts with giving the first lady authority over what your children eat in school lunches, if it starts with, well, now she's giving out fitness, well, then you can expand that authority. Her qualification is being married to the guy who's president. That's her only qualification in diet and nutrition. If, that were the, if, that, if that's how the world worked, every single housewife in the housewives of Beverly Hills would be a, a damn trial lawyer, okay? That's not how it works because you're married to the guy doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. And by the way, even though he's president, he knows nothing about training. And being married to a president doesn't qualify you to be president either. No, it doesn't qualify you to. It doesn't qualify you to be president. It, okay, it or secretary you, of state doesn't qualify you to tell kids what they can and can't eat in lunches, let alone be president. By the way, if everyone has to eat Michelle Obama's mandated school lunches to lose weight, Michelle, you first. Let's let's just let's just go there. Let's just say it, okay? Michelle Obama, you first. Take the advice. You first. So, again, macro. She's been given authority to which she has no legitimate claim. What does that mean? Then you have people faking it, acting as though they're experts. When she is hitting this heavy bag in this video, you can see the video at LiderWithCrowder.com. First off, she's not a boxer, so I'll let it slide, right? Her hands just drop, and she's doing that thing where women are going, boxing, fighting is fun cardio. It's not. If you've ever actually been in a combat sport, it's not fun. It's not cardio. Dropping her hands. If you're not going to punch properly, you have no business doing that activity. Why? Because you're ingraining motor patterns into your brain that will result in a firm ass kicking should you ever resort to them when you need to punch. What does she know about a firm? Yeah. Punch. I don't know. I don't think Barack Obama domestically abuses her. I see where you're going with that. Stop it. So then the kicking. She's kicking a heavy bag. Here's what's important. If you kick a bag, the way Michelle Obama kicks the bag and she shows you to kick the bag, you will damage your spine. You will damage your spine. It is a scientifically unsound body movement. If you Google any kick 
roundhouse kick, watch any kickboxer, watch anyone who has even a slight level of experience in kicking. Their foot, ball of their foot, is facing away from their target, meaning if you're facing them, that foot should be open to them, okay? And then your hips should turn over. Why? So it becomes a whipping motion with your hips and your shin. Instead, she's facing straight forward and torquing her spine. Putting it, it's, think of wringing out a washcloth. That's what this kicking technique will do to your spine. It may sound trivial. The point is Michelle Obama, now because we've given her a pet project, feels she has the authority to go out and offer advice which will cause literal physical harm to Americans if they emulate it. And that's the takeaway point. Not just to post the video and make a bunch of moo shell jokes like conservatives do, but to actually address the issue that, listen, how, how far beyond the bend have we gone that we have a first lady? We have an overweight first lady giving us nutrition, diet, and fitness advice. Well, she's only overweight from the waist down. Well, again, you can't say it. It's politically incorrect. But if everyone wants to compliment her arms, I'm going, hey, there's two whole halves of the body. Yeah. Why are we only talking about one? It's politically incorrect. that You're only allowed to uh, praise her and compliment the, the one area that seems relatively a, attractive. I mean, I don't think she's an Still unattractive not, woman. I don't think she's attractive. I think Michelle Obama's cute. I have never thought that she was uh, unattractive, but I just... I just hate being silenced culturally because you're not allowed to say something. So anyways, that was something that happened this week. Outside of that, here's something that I wanted to talk about. I've gotten to the point where I, I just saw a bumper sticker. This is kind of what, what spurred this. I saw a bumper sticker that said, you know, Obama, Biden, uh, 2012, yes, I'm ready for Hillary. And it also said, I love Obamacare. And I was sitting there thinking that that's bumper sticker might as well read I love taking your money that's really what it's saying I love Obamacare is saying I love taking your money and I got to thinking obviously I'm a pro-life guy obviously you know I there are issues that that morally are closed-handed but I believe it's fundamentally immoral to simply take something from someone that's the thing. Even fiscal policy from the left, I believe to be fundamentally immoral. And these people say, well, the wealthy can pay a little bit more. You know, you can pay a little more. I deserve minimum wage. And I'm sitting there thinking about these people going, okay, as someone who's completely independent, who runs a business, a lot of these people complaining and saying that they want to take my stuff, they've never gone out on their own. They've never invested huge sums of cash into their own business. They've never had to meet payroll and pay somebody else. They've never had to let somebody go because they can't afford to pay their electrical bill. They've never had to speak with their wife and talk about where we need to cut costs because you're trying to put everything back into a living, breathing business. They've never had to go through taxes quarterly and deal with their accountant and find ways to, to make sure that their taxes are in order but also cut costs. They've never had to do any of those things. Yet they then feel entitled to taking your stuff that somehow you're a lottery winner. And they accuse conservatives of being prejudiced. My question is, is there anything more prejudiced than not knowing me, than having never met me, and voting to take my stuff because you assume to know everything about me? That's the premise of the left. You don't need to know anything about me other than my bank account, 
to justify your stealing of my stuff. How is that not prejudice? Maybe it's just me. That's the way I see it. You can tweet me uh, at S. Crowder. I've never understood that. How is, how is it not prejudice? You don't know me. You have no clue, yet you vote to take my stuff. And, of course, you publicly vilify me and the wealthy, and they can pay their fair share, and this is what they, they don't pay their... This is what... It's just, you know, they can afford to pay a little more. Well, what do you know about me? How do you know I can afford to pay a little more? Do you know anything about me? Do you know what I can afford? Do you know what my daily costs are? Do you know what my payroll is? Do you have any idea? Then how can you assume to know? And how can you justify your thievery? We'll go to a break, but you can tweet me your responses, and uh, we'll read some of them from you after this here on Louder with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at S. Crowder. You're listening to the strangest animal on the radio, on the internet, in the world. Steven Crowder, louder with Crowder, good morning! <laughs> you realized you messed up the order with Steven Crowder before louder with Crowder, and so you had to save it. What? Forget about it. <laughs> you are the strange animal. So, they, you are completely just, oh, strange animal, right? Uh, David Letterman, sign-off. Did you watch that fun dip? No. Really? Were you at, were you were never a fan of Letterman? Well, I like him fine. I'm not I'm not going to stay up late for it. I I've, I've got it on the DVR. I'll get around to it eventually. Well, I'll tell you this. Again, because it's been a slow news week, there hasn't been that much going on. It was it was a big deal. Letterman signed off, I think 32 years as a host. And I will tell you this. My dad back when we lived in Montreal, he would tape Letterman for us, the top 10 lists and the Rupert Hello Deli segments, the Larry Bud Nelman stuff. He would tape all that stuff that was really bizarre because, you know, and that way he could tape it and fast forward the parts that he thought was he thought were inappropriate for young children. I mean, we we could have been as young as, yeah, six or seven. So there's a lot a lot of content on Letterman that we shouldn't have been seeing. Not that he was particularly profane, but that those were some of the first late night segments I ever watched before SNL, before any of that. My father was a huge Letterman fan. And so I grew up as a kid as a really big Letterman fan. I'm talking Really, I mean, well through my teenage years into college. And so I have a lot of respect for him. A lot of people don't remember. He was groundbreaking. Oh, the NBC years were very good. Yes. Well, he was still good even, you know, over there at uh, at uh, CBS, right? Yeah. yeah, CBS. He was still good when it was a late show with David Letterman. When it started, he did the Rupert Hello Deli, the sort of remote, these, these very funny offbeat things, you know, before people like Howard Stern or anyone was really doing that on the radio the way Letterman did. He did. He, 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 he was breaking some new ground there. And somewhere along the way, he just stopped. And he became, obviously, the more he became liberal as he got older, he became more vocal, he became more aggressive. I mean, he had the jokes about, you know, uh, A-Rod having sex with Sarah Palin's daughter he became really politically correct and he would get really, I mean, really just kind of bitchy if someone questioned his political beliefs. He wasn't able to defend it. I mean, if you watch the interview, for example, with 
with Bill O'Reilly on Letterman versus Kimmel or Conan or the other programs where he's been. Listen, nobody likes Bill O'Reilly, right? Even people on the right aren't huge fans of Bill O'Reilly. And obviously liberals in Hollywood are not big Bill O'Reilly fans. That's no secret. But the way they treated him was very different from David Letterman, you could tell, was just disgusted that this guy with his point of view was even getting airtime. He just became a very poisonous person. And that's why it's really important. You know, last week we talked about Islam. We had that woman who converted from Islam. It was a little more serious. But you've got to dance with the one who brought you to the ball. And for Letterman, that was being funny. That was being original. And he, he lost that. And the same thing for us. It's being entertaining. It's bringing in quirky, offbeat guests. It's discussing things that maybe aren't discussed elsewhere or in a way that aren't discussed elsewhere. Are you trying yeah. to say we need to retire <laughs> we're retire on top, baby. <laughs> I guess you could say, I mean, you could say as far as the podcast here, we have thousands and thousands of people listening and downloading, and we're very grateful to every single listener. If you're listening to this live and you miss some segments or you want to catch up, you can always go to LiderWithCrowder.com, iTunes. It's all free. It's all subscribable. Yeah. And if you're listening on the podcasts whenever it is in the middle of the week and you want to let me know something, just tweet me as well. That's at FunDipDan. Yeah, we get those all the time. We get those trickling. It's in with so people. funny. I love that. I'll be in the middle of the week, and I'll and I'll get a tweet, and somebody says, "I love what you just said," and, and you're I'm going, like, "What? What the heck did I just say?" <laughs> but in, in it's my, so I'm, cool, though. I'm in my boxers in bed watching cat videos on my Samsung. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, sometimes people have no sense of timing or what's appropriate online. It's cool, though. I love that. I mean. Tweet me day or night at FunDipDan. I want to hear from you. There's a lot of direct access now with social media. And that's another thing. Letterman didn't want to evolve with it. I don't think he ever had a Twitter. The YouTube channel was just, it was clear they didn't care. The fact is people now, they want to connect with celebrities. They want to connect with hosts. They want to co connect with people who are out there expressing a point of view. And listen, I, I will, you know, it, get, it gets very tiring. I can understand people who want to shut it off, who don't want to be online all the time. But everyone was commemorating Letterman and I remember watching it and all these people and they had presidents talking about him, talking about how brilliant he was and how much they're going to miss him. And I'm going, listen, none of you people watched Letterman in these last few years. No one watched him. Honestly, I forgot that he was even on. I, I, I never even remembered Letterman. I mean, it's changed completely from, you know, it was Leno and Letterman for a long time to, I think of Kimmel. I think of Conan. I know a lot of people like Jimmy Fallon. I'm, I'm not a fan uh, I think Conan is possibly the best late-night host ever. I think he's No, fantastic. no, no, no. You're forgetting one guy that was on that I watched for decades. Steve Allen? No. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> Johnny Carson. I oh. grew up on Carson. I would watch him constantly. And he had tons of great guests, and he also had the really funny skits that were just absolutely great. Well, he did. And, and you know what? I will say this. Jimmy Fallon is closest to Carson now. And I do pretty, concur. Yeah, it's pretty silly. I don't think Fallon, though, has the same kind of masculine charm. The difference between Fallon and Carson is Fallon comes across as a little boy kind of at the kids' table trying to speak up to adults, whereas Carson was still authoritative. He was, he was the man who, if you were a little boy, right, and your dad was around and he was having the party with the guys— You'd want to, he'd have a cigar and he'd, you'd sit on his lap. You'd want to sit on Uncle Johnny's lap, you know, yeah. and have him tell you a tale. Whereas Kimmel, is, uh, not Kimmel, he, Fallon is kind of <laughs> giggling. He, and He's the actual his, kid, yeah. Yeah, he's the actual kid, which I can get the appeal. I think Kimmel is sort of the everyman. If you watch him, he's just 
the guy you could picture at a at a bar. And then Conan is the really smart one. Conan is very funny. He's intelligent. He's neurotic. But I think Conan is just overall, as far as being funny on the spot, it's really tough to beat Conan. He's a comedy writer. For me, I put I put it Carson, Conan, and then the rest. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would say so too. I think that's fair. That's for me, you know. And I I know. And then somewhere underneath the rest. Is Arsenio Hall. <laughs> oh, that was just a travesty. Well, they brought it back recently. Did you know that? that it was, syndic- I, it was syndicated to, like, my local Fox 5, you know, the local Fox affiliates. I don't know if it's still on, but that was about a year, a year and a half ago after he was on Celebrity Apprentice. They brought reruns back? or they? No, they brought- gave him a show again. I'm so glad I didn't see that. Right, which, you know, and by the way, for, before people say, oh, you're racist, actually, I think Steve Harvey is a hilarious host. Oh, he is the best host of Family Feud I've ever seen. And I liked yeah, well, Richard Dawson just fine, but yeah. Steve Harvey, he is quick. Oh, he's very funny. Love he's him a, to death. Yeah, I'm a huge Steve Harvey fan. I think he's great. I, I He used to have a morning show, actually, that was just fantastic. And you know what's funny? I'm sure he would vote for Barack Obama. I'm sure he's probably more liberal on a lot of issues, but he's a strong family guy. He believes in fathers owning up to the responsibilities. Um, I, I just, I've always had a real soft spot for him. Anyway, sorry, I know we're ending the show on a non-political note, but it was a big deal. Listen, Letterman had an emotional sign-off. That's a big portion of American history, and it's changing. Now there are none of those hosts. Honestly, it was Leno and Letterman for over two decades, and now none of them are even in the mix. It's it's completely changed, and um, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, but It'll also be interesting to see how many more programs will come up. You'll find this, folks, if you're, you're, you're listening, just like this podcast does very well online. People listen. It does very well across the country. But there are so many now. Everyone has the choice to pick whatever fits into their niche that entertainment is going to get more and more and more fragmented. And that's not a bad thing. It gives you more options. But it also changes the way the entertainment industry works. You're going to see budgets cut down. You're going to see fewer stations. I was talking with my friend who's 24, and I realized he's grown up in a world where he's always had a smartphone. He's always had YouTube. It's never not existed as soon as he was of age to use the Internet. And we don't have long-term studies on that. This instant, constant entertainment at your fingertips. What do you think? Some people aren't necessarily learning to interact with human beings if there's not a screen there. There's some great things. Kids can learn faster. You don't need to go to libraries. You can learn anything you want. Knowledge is at your fingertips. On the flip side, uh, are you really learning how to be a person? And the late night wars that are done as it transitions is just, I don't want to say one nail in the coffin, but that's a big thats a big milestone here. And we don't have long-term studies. We don't know how this is going to end up with these generations going into the workforce Big experiment right now in America. I'm curious to see how it shakes out. See you next week.